Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. I have just tested negative for COVID-19 after isolating for five days. Now we have the January 6th Unselect Committee of Political Hacks and Thugs. Trump has broken all the rules and he's paying a price for it. The national threat of fentanyl use. Narcotics pouring into our streets. Inflation keeps outpacing people's paychecks. Recession. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome in. It does sound like we're coming to you from uh, somewhere off off Moorhead City, about three miles out underwater, it sounds like. Uh, Lots to talk about today. It's it's mind-boggling to me how the Democrats and the January 6th committee, which, by the way, they're losing credibility all over the place, but but how they can come after Donald Trump and point the finger at him as if Hunter Biden and the Biden crime family has done nothing wrong. And how many times are they going to go after Donald Trump? Uh, uh, Charlie Hurt uh, ran a great, uh, had another great op-ed. He's Every one of his op-eds, is excellent but uh you know it's i think as as charlie said in this op-ed i'm just paraphrasing here but these democrats are scared to death of donald trump Mm -hmm. and i think one of the reasons they're so terrified of donald trump is the fact that they know if he gets back in they are done they're toast yeah and i think i think he mentions it some in his article too i think there's a lot of republicans are afraid to death just because you, the, you know, the rules change with Donald Trump. Uh, the people that made generational wealth off presidential campaigns were not invited to the dance last time, you know, when, from the consultant side. Um, and, and they just uh, – you no know, one in Washington that's been part of the swamp in Washington, they, they don't like to give up power. Right. And they certainly don't want to give it out the power to the people of America that, you know, chose – chose donald trump the republican party chose donald trump overwhelmingly and um the the powers that be didn't like it either uh you know as far as the january 6th insurrection trial nonsense uh i think it was last week you know alan dershowitz which is a self-professed liberal possibly one of the greatest legal minds in the country uh and also you know says he didn't vote for donald trump I i don't know if he's ever voted for a republican in presidential elections, said that the January 6th uh, panel was was the biggest injustice in the history of America. And, and that's gotta, coming and, from Alan Dershowitz. Well, and you got to remember, there's been some uh, real jokes of uh, panels and kangaroo courts. Um, you know, when Ronald Reagan was president, um, the, the, the big military guy that uh, ran Contra here, yeah, ran Contra, Oliver North, Oliver North, yeah, mm-hmm. that was that was a kangaroo court. Uh, yet that seemed very legitimate as compared to what we have seen right now in the January sixth committee. And you know, I, if 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 we could peel back the layers of the onion and really hear some of the conversations and threats that have taken place by the heads of these committees against some of these Republicans that have turned on Donald Trump. Uh, clearly, I mean, it would be it would be wonderful, wonderful if some of these people had been wired and could have recorded the conversation because I am fully convinced these people were just went through shakedowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an article out in Town Hall today which actually originated out of the Federalist and Molly Hemingway, who is a, a great journalist. 
um, on this Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you know she's got she was the one that got up and said Donald Trump tried to grab the wheel of the beast. From what I heard, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and, and and now there's all kinds of information that's just totally discredited her. For one mm-hmm. thing, they weren't even driving the beast. Mm-hmm. For the other thing, immediately the you know, the Secret Service came out and said no, there's nothing to that at all. But the other interesting thing is Molly Hemingway and others at the Federalist have found all kinds of tweets and emails and correspondence between she and other conservatives really up to just a couple of months ago where she was just saying this January 6th committee is a kangaroo court, is a joke. They have no credibility. She's sick of the whole thing. She's recorded conversations. She's put on social media conversations she's had with others. And it it it, it doesn't line up. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I'm reading this article out of Town Hall and the article out of The Federalist, and I'm thinking to myself, they, speaking of I, I don't know who, who the shakedown artists were, Liz Cheney and others, Adam Schiff, um, uh, what's the uh, other Republican uh, rhino on the committee? Um, You know, how how much did they scare the presjubies out of this girl and say, if you don't cooperate with us, I guarantee you're going to go to prison. I would love to know because I'm fully convinced. I am absolutely fully convinced that's what happened. Oh, yeah. I mean, this this the young lady. Just did a hundred and eighty degree, uh, eighty degree turnaround, and I, I'm I am convinced that they shook her down and they just scared the living daylights out of this woman, and uh, she caved. And not to mention, most of the testimony has been um, they they have taken and edited, uh, you know, testimony that was yeah. done in private, edited that, and then plays it in the hearings. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, that, it is such is a unreal. kangaroo court. That, a court wouldn't even consider any of that nonsense. And Adam Schiff, who actually did the same with written testimony in the previous, uh, was it, I guess it was the that was the impeachment. Yeah, about. it was Jim mm-hmm. Jordan's comments, mm-hmm. and I think also comments by uh, Mark Meadows. Mm-hmm. He was reading emails if they were fact, and they were. He, he basically rewrote them to fit his narrative, and then he actually rewrote. Um, you know Donald Trump. Some of the things Donald Trump said, and then you know he kind of blows it off like well he was paraphrasing. No, you didn't. You had a sheet of paper in front of you, and you read it as it was a script. And then after that, well, it was it was uh, you know it was a play on words. It was a joke. It was yeah, you're a joke. The uh, speaking of editing, Joe Biden's White House released a video yesterday of Joe Biden basically condemning anybody that is you know a, a part of the resistance a part of the january 6 how can how can you say you're for america if you were for what happened in january 6 and yet he never seems to bring up you know how can you say you're for america if you were for antifa or if you were for defund the police uh, or if you were for protesting the supreme court and uh, threatening their lives and uh, but but the interesting part about that, if you go and look at this video that the White House released, a lot of people in, on, in media today are just pointing at it and saying, notice anything odd about this? And I, I looked at it from start to finish. It's about a 42-second video. He blinks once in the whole video. <laughs> it is highly edited, 
But did you see that somebody got a hold of the outtakes of the the, the videos that were taken to put this 42-second video together where Biden's talking about the brave women and men in uniform across America? And, you know, he went into the January 6th thing and how brave these – these uh, uh, police officers were, you know, men in uniform were as these terrible insurrectionists went in and, and beat the living daylights out of the police. Look, there's only one person killed that day, and that was the former uh, uh, arm, um, armed Ashley service. Babbitt. A- Ashley Babbitt. Ashley Babbitt, who was killed by a Capitol Police officer. Mm-hmm. But um, the outtakes, Biden is in rough shape. Uh, he is in rough shape. This is a highly, highly orchestrated uh, presentation of the president as if he is in full control of his faculties. He's not. Yeah, not only does he look bad, I mean, he, he sounds, sounds bad. He sounds awful. And to, to compare, I've heard some of the pundits on some of the other uh, liberal networks today talking about how much better Biden handled COVID than Trump. <laughs> well, first of all, you know what it was the early early stages of uh of covid and some of the first go round first go much stronger and 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 within 24 hours trump was you know addressing the the nation walking out on the porch uh at the white house and uh i bet biden i mean he just about could i I would love to know how many takes he did because he could i mean he was coughing you know he was he was sounding rough i don't again the the strain that that donald trump went through was was the first strain and um, even fauci has said every time there's a new strain comes out as time goes on and there's more strains that come out each one is going to be weaker and he wasn't vaccinated four times because the vax the the vaccination was not available so um yeah you can't make it up it's uh with 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 these progressives that's interesting which you know i i know everyone's saying it now but i said it from day one joe biden would not be the democrat nominee he would not run again there's and i and i've been saying it all along but there's absolutely no way he will run this time well the 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 question is the the football pool money needs to be on will he make it through the four years i think um i think before the midterms because the, the democrat party cannot afford and you know they keep talking about a red wave. I'm not as optimistic as as a lot of people. I think the Republicans will pick up significant wins, but um, you know, you know, you can't lose but so many seats, and you can't uh, lose but so bad because it takes a long time to recover. <laughs> if you do, I think it's all about damage control for the midterms. They know they're not they're going. They, they, how they, bad are you going to get? How beat? bad? They, I mean, no. they, there's still some possibility they could keep the Senate, but uh, the House is going to just be a runaway. And it's just how bad it is, and it's kind of like I hate to say like you know analogy for golf, but it's kind of like when you hit a bad shot, hey, you got to play for bogey. You know, yeah. you hit a real bad yeah. shot, you got to play for bogey. Not the Democrats; they want mulligans every time. Yeah, every time. Give me a well, mulligan. they get them from the press. That's for darn sure. CNBC, along with just every media outlet out there, is reporting the Federal Reserve today enacted its second consecutive 0.75 percent, three-quarters of a point uh, interest rate height as it seeks to tamp down runaway inflation. Federal Reserve today enacted its second consecutive uh, three-quarters of a point percentage increase, taking its benchmark rate from 2.25 to 2.50 Jerome Powell said there will be a point where the Fed starts to slow hikes to assess their impact. Uh, and we were talking before we went on the air. I, you know, it, it appears to me they're, they're playing catch up. 
that uh, they waited too long. And, you know, one wonders, okay, were they trying to, you know, they're playing cat and mouse saying, okay, maybe inflation will hold off until the midterms. And I think now they're realizing, no, the, the, the inflation is here and it's going to crush the Democrats. And so, therefore, they've bitten the bullet. And this should have been done earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you cannot pr- print the kind of money that the federal government is printing and borrowing and not expect inflation to kick in. Well, two, uh, two three-quarter point uh, moves in a row, what, only a month apart – yeah, because it was in mid mid June. Point and a half, yeah, yeah, point and a half since mid June. I mean, that's um, that's got to be alarming in, in two, one or two ways. It's alarming that they're acknowledging, hey, <laughs> we screwed up. We should have done this slowly over the last two years, or things are a lot worse than than what yeah. uh, certainly is worse than what the Biden administration and the accepting journalists are. That you know they're accepting to the to the premise that hey, uh, we're we're changing the definition of recession. For the first time in 50 years. Dow liked it. It was up uh, 436 points. S&P was up 102.5. NASDAQ was up 470 points. So the stock market yo-yo continues. Today it was up uh, by a significant amount, although 400 points for the Dow. I mean, you know, that used to be an astronomical number for the yeah. Dow to jump and the NASDAQ to jump 470 points. That's unheard of. It's not too uncommon these days. Yeah, and the, and the volatility index of the market for the last you know seven or eight years at least has been. I mean, you have dramatic swings up and downs, much more so than you used to. And uh, I think this is just you know the market kind of uh, they they like known. They you know, it's been a cloud here for the last two weeks. What's the Fed's going to do? What's the Fed's going to do? Now they know what it's going to do, so they price they can price things easy more easily. We're going to take a time out. We come back. We're going to be joined by Dr. Jay Richards, who is director of the Richard and Helen DeVos Center for Life, Religion, and Family. We're going to be talking to uh, the good doctor about what we mentioned yesterday. That is the Respect for Marriage Act. It is anything but that. We'll be talking to the good doctor when we get back. This is your Drive at 5, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Yesterday we brought up this uh, new bill that is being considered. Well, it's passed the House and now it's being considered in the Senate. It's called the Respect for Marriage Act. John Stone Street uh, wrote in an op-ed titling his op-ed, The Respect for Marriage Act is Anything But. We mentioned yesterday that Tom Tillis senator from north carolina has come out and pretty much said yeah you know if if i wasn't clear i'm paraphrasing here but if i wasn't clear last week that i was for this bill let me leave no doubt in your mind i am for this bill and yesterday uh, while we were on the air we were sharing notes and uh, you know benny pointed out that ron johnson who's a real conservative has come out and said that he is going to vote for the respect for marriage act Dr. Dre, Jay Richards is director of the Richard and Helen DeVos Center for Life, Religion, and Family and the William E. Simon Senior Research Fellow in Religious Liberty and Civil Society at the Heritage Foundation. He has been following the Respect for Marriage Act as it went through the House and passed in the House. I think it was 47 Republicans in the House voted for it, and uh, it should go over to the Senate probably in the next couple of weeks. But um, Dr. Jay Richards is with us right now. 
Uh, Jay, thanks for joining us on News and Views. Good to uh, have you with us. And what can you tell us about, uh, again, this this piece that uh, John Stone Street right the Re- yeah. respect for marriage act is anything but can you uh, can you add some insight to that for us? <laughs> Absolutely, he's exactly right. I mean, the respect for marriage act is actually a euphemism. Uh, it's basically an attempt to settle in federal law what was decided by sort of uh, judicial fiat by the Supreme Court in 2015 in their Obergefell case in which they basically struck down 31 state laws that had defined marriage between a man and a woman. Uh, That was a judicial decision, very much like Roe v. Wade, and Democrats thought, well, you know, what happens if a later court overturns that? Then all of a sudden we don't have same-sex marriage. So they have chosen this very moment with massive inflation uh, and a porous border and all sorts of problems to have a debate about same-sex marriage. What's distressing is that there, it's really a designed to be a trap for Republicans because uh, there, this would actually, on their side, this would make no practical difference. So whether this bill passes or not, uh, there's actually no threat to same-sex marriage at the moment. There's no movement to try to, to reverse uh, Obergefell. That's the sort of irony. But this is a calculation the Democrats are making. They're thinking, okay, so Republicans, we will bring this up for a vote. And if Republicans vote against it, we've looked at polls and the majority of people in most places say they support same-sex marriage, and so they'll alienate swing voters. Um, if they vote for it, they will alienate their conservative base. And so it's kind of win-win for the Democrats and lose-lose for the Republicans. But that's a trap. It's clearly a trap. I mean, the reality is people tell polls uh, that they support same-sex marriage, but we strongly suspect that's a mile wide and an inch deep. We do not think millions of people are going to suddenly support the Democrats and their policies over this, when in fact it's not even at risk. So the bill, at least in the short run, will not make any difference. It's just distressing that in the House you had 47 Republicans, and now what's happening in the Senate, of course, is the Democrats are looking for 10 Republican senators, and they need, they need 10 because they've got to overcome what would otherwise be a filibuster by someone like Josh Hawley. If they get 10, they'll call a vote. There'll be a vote for it. Uh, otherwise, it will probably languish and it will, will at least make it until the the the, uh, the summer break. And then we can kind of decide what needs to happen. Have you done any kind of head count? Do you think 10 is likely? Uh, a, a few days ago, we were all worried that 10 was likely. But from what we've been able to tell, there are only about four that are likely. Um, Ron Johnson, if you actually read the tea leaves of what he said, um, he seems to be kind of actually backing away. And so I think initially a lot of the Republicans that may, maybe they feel like they're in swing states or in swing districts say that they're going to support it because they weren't actually expecting a lot of pushback. And so certainly uh, those of us that are concerned about the state of marriage long term have told them, look, you can't pretend to be pro-marriage and vote for this. Not only will this basically in, in federal law, uh, claim that the male-female binary plays no role in the definition of marriage, it's also going to open the door to polygamy. And so you, of course, hand it to the Democrats, not just trying to uh, ratify uh, at statutory level same-sex marriage, they're actually trying to push the envelope into polygamy with this bill. And that's, that's the thing we've really been trying to spend some time talking about. It's interesting. Tom Tillis, senator from North Carolina, when he was the North Carolina House Speaker in 2011, when lawmakers chose to declare that the only valid unions in North Carolina was were going to be between one man and one woman, 
That measure went on the ballot as a constitutional amendment. The voters passed it in 2012 by a margin of 31% to 39%. Overwhelming. Wow. Why would someone – I know you're not clairvoyant. You don't have insight into Tom Tillis. But a man from – okay, some people will say it's a purple state, but he was elected by the conservative side of a purple state. Why would right. a man turn against his base? I mean, does, is is it possible that he just – that he's a gambler and he thinks, well – I, I will act as if I'm for it, and I hope it doesn't come for an actual vote because then I'll be in trouble. But, I mean, he is, he's come out really – I mean, what was this – Benny, his, yesterday his comment was something along the lines of, you know, let me be very, very clear about oh, yeah. this. Yeah, and this is coming from a guy that, that won won a extremely close race against an extremely flawed candidate that got caught in an affair just a few weeks before the election. So, I mean <laughs> – what do you, what well, do you think you, the thinking this, is? It's this. It's the mystery of the Republican squish. I mean, I hate to put it that way. <laughs> Bingo. The kind of calculation, just, just, just basic, frank calculation. I can tell you if this were reversed and the Democrats were in this position, they would be an absolute unified front. They wouldn't be saying, well, this position's kind of unpopular, so I don't want to do that. But the Republicans are, are really easy to scatter in this way, unfortunately. And so that's what they're doing. They're looking at these generic polls. They see that, okay, maybe 60% of the public now says it supports same-sex marriage in certain polls. But you got to think, okay, what does that mean compared to what exactly? Same-sex marriage isn't actually at risk. And you're much in much greater danger, I think, of alienating your base and just basically depressing your base who won't vote for it then you're actually going to sort of change the votes of millions of swing voters. This is, just doesn't make any sense. And so I'm surprised how easily they've un, so many of them have fallen for this trap. I'm hoping it's not going to happen in the Senate till it, till it has weighed in kind of explicitly. But at the moment, we think there are probably only about four uh, votes uh, like him. Uh, and the others are probably, I think they're probably, you know, licking their fingers and putting in the wind, seeing which way the wind is blowing. And I, I think, honestly, what they need to hear from constituents is that, right. look, we still care about marriage. It may not be up for a vote today or next week or next year, uh, but it would be a serious mistake. And it would be a serious mistake long term. It honestly would set back the marriage movement to do this, because imagine if we had had uh, a federal law guaranteeing abortion uh, like Roe v. Wade, then when Roe v. Wade was overturned, we'd still have to overcome the federal law for any of these states to have actually had these trigger laws. And so we'd have had to overcome a veto in Congress. Well, we'd be stuck forever with a pro-abortion regime at the federal level. And that's certainly the kind of long-term hope of the Democrats. But the reason they're prioritizing it right now Two weeks or less than two weeks now before their break is I think they just they honestly want to put the Republicans in this awkward position and the Republicans just shouldn't fall for it. What kind of response have you heard from constituents to senators and what kind of fallout was there for the 46, 47 uh, Republican House members who voted for this? Well, at the moment, not much. I mean, the problem is, is that this is this happened very quickly. This is a snap vote that was forced on uh, House members, and I'm glad you're talking about it, but it's only been, honestly, in the last two days that anyone's even really been talking about this. I can tell you the phones have been burning up in Washington, D.C. about this, and so the reality is that there's a few things that the, the Senate would like to get done before they go on their summer recess. Uh, this could actually 
crowd its way in and keep them from doing anything else. So they're taking a kind of a really big gamble here. Uh, but what they're doing is they're counting on the Republicans to do exactly what they're doing, which is to make these kind of highly refined political calculations rather than just acting on principle and not not buying this idea that somehow this is a, a, a massive groundswell of support for same-sex marriage. That's, just, that's not what's going on. People just kind of generally notice the, the cultural mood of something, and so they're not going to continue to tell pollsters something when it's not even uh, sort of up for debate. So we just really don't think, we think whatever support there is, in the middle for same-sex marriage, uh, it's nothing that's really deep-seated, especially because it's it's not actually at risk anytime soon. Where is Joe Manchin on this? Well, that's a, a really good question, and we're not actually sure. And so he's often been the swing vote. The reality is that he's in a socially conservative state, the strongly pro-Trump state. But, of course, Donald Trump is a weird case. He himself uh, seemed to support same-sex marriage, though it never actually came up when he was president. And so that, you know, that at the moment he's unknown. And I'm honestly, I'm focused more on, okay, who would be these 10 Republicans if there were 10? Uh, the fact that it hasn't come up for a snap vote tells you the Democrat, whoever's whipping this on the Democratic side, uh, at least at the moment knows they don't have 10 votes on the Republican side. You know, th- there are a lot of people that would probably, you know, empathize with where Donald Trump is coming from. But at the same time, if you ask them about people like Jack Phillips and Baronel Stutzman, a florist Mm -hmm. and a baker who uh, really had their uh, religious constitutional rights violated by forcing them to take pictures or to arrange flowers or to bake a cake, um, you know, I, I would think that uh, if you framed the polling question, you know, with them in mind, you get much different polling results than if you just said, you know, should same-sex marriage be allowed? Is there anything in this Respect for Marriage Act that will protect the religious rights of those who disagree with gay marriage? No, there's not. In fact, that's what we would like. You'd sort of like to see. Say, okay, at least there'd be maybe a. Um, you know, some kind of olive branch here to conservatives or to religious believers, but there's not, nothing like that. In fact, it's, as I mentioned earlier, it's actually a Trojan horse even for more radical ideas like polygamy. And so you could, you could expect this, the same kinds of things you have with Baronel Stutzman and Jack Phillips uh, happening over same-sex marriage. We'll end up having the same thing over polygamous marriage uh, it, as a result of this bill. And if anything, it will be even more difficult uh, for people to maintain uh, religious exemptions. Uh, Jay, this is Benny. Um, you know, we talk about on the show all the time the, the, the move further and further left of the Democrat Party, and, and I, I make the joke sometimes, hey, remember when we had that conservative president, Barack Obama? But, but you, know, back, back, yeah. you know, Barack Obama uh, stated early on that he believed marriage was, was between a man and woman, but now we're to a position of where, you know, President Biden's SCOTUS nominee won't define a woman. Uh, they say, you know, men can get pregnant. They think men should play with in women's sports. What What is the end game of the Democrat Party going so far left that I don't think lines up with really what most Americans feel is right? Good question. No, not, yeah, not at all. I mean, it's very odd because President Biden or whoever's running the Biden administration. Has, <laughs> it ain't, uh, it ain't fully, Joe, Jay. You know, it ain't Joe. <laughs> whoever it is, I know, and I won't speculate, but they have tied themselves completely to the most radical element on the left that's committed to gender ideology. So under Obergefell, we ceased to define marriage as involving a man and a woman. Now gender ideology 
we actually deny that the biological difference, so that biological sex is replaced with a purely subjective and internal idea of gender identity. That's literally what these ideas say. That's, that's how you can end up with these congressional hearings in which officials can't say what a woman is. It's because they actually, uh, you know, they realize if they answer the question, they're sort of stuck saying something that everyone else will sound absolutely ridiculous. Look, I think uh, that this is a winning issue for Republicans. I think the Democrats know that. I think they'd much rather talk about same-sex marriage uh, than talk about, you know, the, the school to sterilization pathway that's now happening with our kids. Um, and this is a way for them to do that. So this is basically a trap to put Republicans in an awkward position, at least those that are in sort of swing states and swing districts on the one hand, and also to get the media and everyone else focused on something other than the things that are actually causing uh, Biden's poll numbers to plummet. Let me ask you, along those lines, along Benny's line of why are you doing this? You know, if you get into rules for radicals and, you know, let's let's Mm -hmm. destroy the system. Is it the same uh, motivation as to why we have this ridiculousness at our southern border with these open borders and let anything go where we have these uh, DAs that are saying, hey, you know what, there's not going to be any bond or any bail. You just commit a crime. You're let go. Uh, is, is this a part of the general chaos that the, the that the Saul Alinsky's want to see happen so they can completely take over? Well, I, I certainly think that gender ideology, I mean, I'm a philosopher, and so if you analyze it for any length of time, you realize it's completely incoherent. It's a bundle of contradictory ideas, but that misses the point. It's really a cultural wrecking, wrecking ball to wreck the nuclear family and to, and to wreck this present order. I think that Actually, open borders is designed for the same reason. Now, I don't think the mainstream of the Democratic Party, it's not on the party platform to do this, obviously. Let's, let's destroy the present order and create some social, socialist utopia. But I do think that is exactly the ideas of the radicals in the Democratic Party, so that if you go to websites like uh, the BLM, for instance, they'll, they'll tell you this quite explicitly. And I think that's a, that's a perfectly rational interpretation of many of these things that are happening, is that what we're dealing with is attempts basically to wreck the present order in some kind of utopian hope that whatever comes after it will be better. You, you have some pretty impressive credentials, Dr. J. Richards. And let me ask you, and I, and I don't want to put you on the spot because you might not know the answer to this, but in societies that have gone down this road, this road of of this respect for marriage act that the democrats are putting forth and they have they have followed through and gone down this road have you have you done any studies of what what the end situation ends up being well we don't have a lot of data the thing one thing we have a little data on is marriage so when marriage is redefined away from this biological reality of a male and female it takes a male and a female to mate and to have children and to be able, you know then to bear and raise those children so in countries like Europe that did this before we did, what generally happens is not that everybody gets married, whether they're gay or straight, but it tends to dec- to depress marriage rates altogether. So people, the meaning of marriage disappears, and so people just generally stop getting married. But what we're doing, the gender stuff, this has never been tried before. This idea that we're going to actually deny that people are male or female or that biology has something to do with who we are. No society has ever been so crazy as to actually try that. So we're in untested waters. Yeah. Uh, I suspect that there's some flesh-eating dragons around the corner, but we really are. This is a, a new social experiment that's never before been tried. 
Well, one thing's for sure, if you have two biological males or two biological females, the population is going to decrease. It just doesn't work out too well in terms of having children. Let me ask you one other question before we let you go, and we've kept you longer than we said. But you mentioned a few minutes ago that this is a Trojan horse to introduce other things. Is is that speculation on your part, or do you have insight as to knowing that that is a uh, fact? You mean in terms of the number of how many votes? No, no, no. It's uh, Trojan horse in terms of I- introducing oh. other things, whether it be bestiality like, yeah, or whatever. Yes, yeah, you. So you can. So the the polygamy, you can actually det- see it by reading the text itself. So they don't name it. But they nowhere, nowhere define marriage as involving two people, and there's no doubt that that's where we're going on this. Of course, the, the wilder stuff is not entered uh, or introduced, but polygamy is absolutely there's an open door in this bill for polygamy. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Well, we have encouraged our listeners to call at least Tom Tillis and uh, let their thoughts be known. Good. But uh, to, thanks for your work. Thanks for what you're doing. Thanks, you, for shining the spotlight on up at the Heritage Foundation. Uh, you, um, Twitter account? Uh, of course, the Heritage Foundation yeah. is heritage.org. But uh, how can they contact you? Yeah, heritage.org. And if people want to follow me on Twitter, I am uh, at Dr. J. Richards. I appreciate it. Doc, thanks so much for joining in, and we'll look forward to having you on again. You bet. All right. Dr. Richards calling in from D.C. Uh, Stay with us. Benny and I'll be right back. Ultra high inflation. And it's my top domestic priority. To ultra high cost of living. I know you gotta be frustrated. I can taste it. It pays to be ultra well informed. We're throwing money away like drunken sailors. I'm so pissed off. When you join the conversation, we're just printing more money, which adds to inflation, which destroys the American family. That makes me sick. What happens next happens here with Tom and Benny on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. So the Daily Caller is reporting that Nancy Pelosi's husband sold up to $5 million worth of computer chip stock and lost hundreds of thousands of dollars, $341,000 to be exact. Uh, Paul sold 25,000 of uh, shares of uh, NVIDIA, one of the world's largest semiconductor companies, at the average price of roughly $165 each on Tuesday worth nearly $5 million. Mr. Pelosi bought options to buy the stock in this company more than a year ago, he said, and exercised them on uh, June the 17th, 2022. So he he bought the options and bought the stock and then turned around and sold the stock at a loss. Mr. Pelosi, according to um, one of the uh, House Speaker um, spokespersons, uh, Drew Hamill, said Mr. Pelosi decided to sell the shares at a loss rather than to allow the misinformation in the press regarding this trade to continue. I think, I mean, I'm speculating here, total speculation here, news and views. My view is Mr. Pelosi looked at losing $341,000 and said, you know what, Uh, compared to my millions, that's a drop in the bucket versus Possibly going to jail. I think I'll. I think I'll lose three hundred forty-one thousand um, dollars. After the uh, Daily Caller's report on Paul's purchase, 
Drew Hamill told Fox News the House Speaker had no prior knowledge of subsequent involvement in any transactions. Wasn't it today that they passed the uh, what started out to be a $50 billion semiconductor uh, chip thing? Didn't it end up being like $250,000? Yeah, uh, $250 billion? Yeah, it was a lot more. Or thir- yeah. $300 billion? <laughs> It's unbelievable. Yeah, and, and you know, Pelosi ba- basically saying, hey, this – you know, his investing was done a long time ago. Do you know how long this has been talked about and worked on? Oh, I mean, it, yeah. give me yeah. a break. Yeah. I mean, don't uh, don't uh, urinate down my neck and try to tell me it's raining. That's what <laughs> I have to say. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know what you're doing that, but, but kind of some breaking news here on Fox News. Uh, Manchin and Schumer agree to build back better deal after more than a year of talks. So it seems like Manchin has folded. This is just out. Okay. Hmm. You know, uh, by, uh, Manchin doesn't talk about uh, the size of it or anything, but they say they have reached a deal. And to me, anytime you reach a deal with Schumer, it can't be good. Yeah, no. Uh, on unless, unless that's a false report. I, and um, Well, no, it's a statement from Manchin. No, it is a statement from yeah. Manchin. Manchin said in a lengthy statement he reached a reconciliation deal with Schumer. That's not good. No. That's not good. Hey, we got to take another time out. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Back to the show that really makes you think. He is a genius. He's all powerful. He brought a kind of heat. He could be the best. Just don't hurt yourself, okay? More news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. So following up on that story that uh, Benny just broke, Senator Joe Manchin announced today that he came to an agreement with Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer on a reconciliation bill after more than a year of negotiations among Democrats. Manchin from West Virginia frustrated Democrats for months, consistently refusing to support party-line legislation that at one point Democrats wanted to cost over $3 trillion. Democrats termed that legislation Build Back Better, and Manchin shut down negotiations on it late last year. But with Democrats grasping for a legislative win ahead of the midterm, Schumer from New York kept up talks directly with Manchin through the spring and summer. In a lengthy statement, the moderate senator said Wednesday, earlier today, those talks resulted in a deal for a slimmed-down bill that uh, includes tax, climate, and prescription drug provisions. That means your taxes are going to go up and we're going to waste it on green energy and climate change. Um, For too long, the reconciliation debate in Washington has been defined how how it can advance Democrats' political agenda called Build Back Better, Manchin said. Build Back Better is dead, and instead we have the opportunity to make our country stronger by bringing Americans together. Democrats are using a process called budget reconciliation to advance the legislation, which allows them to get around the Senate filibuster with just 50 votes. They will regret the day they did this. I I promise you it always happens that way. As long as all Democrats avoid catching COVID-19 and are present and able to vote for the bill, they will likely have the votes to get the legislation across the finish line. Manchin said in a statement that the bill will have a minimum of a 15% tax on companies worth more than a billion dollars. There's a lot of companies out there that would meet that requirement. And invest in several forms of energy, including fossil fuel, nuclear, and renewables. This is on top of agreements Democrats previously came on in prescription drugs and extending subsidies included in the Affordable Care Act. I now propose and will vote for the Inflation Reduction Act. (laughs) That is laughable. 
the Re- Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. I'm going to spend money, but I'm going to reduce inflation. What a load of stuff. Rather than risking more inflation with trillions in new spending, this bill will cut the inflation taxes Americans are paying, lower the cost of the health insurance prescription drug. Where I mentioned it. How far is your head up your rear end? I'm sorry, Joe. Boy, if this is true, I hope it's not. I hope somehow you come out and say that is false. Joe, I, I, you, for what? come on, you're not that stupid, Joe. How many times are we going to fall for this crap? I mean, what was well, Obama? Pass, pass Obamacare. Everyone will, mm-hmm. their insurance bills will go down by $2,500 a year. What a load of garbage. You ready for my prediction? I'm all ears. Here you go. Joe Biden steps down. Kamala Harris is president. She appoints Joe Manchin as vice president. She chooses not to run. There's no primary, and he's the de facto nominee for the Democrat Party. You think that's what they promised him? Mm-hmm. And he will not have to – I mean, he could not win a Democrat primary as far left as the Democrat Party is. He's he's the Democrat uh, in 2024. It, it, it really makes you wonder what they promised him for yep. him to give into this. You but, heard it here first on News and Views. Wow. I mean, the idea <laughs> – the, 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 the chutzpah. That they're going to call this the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. They're going to spend more money on climate change and green energy, and they're going to call it the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, my Well, gosh. they had to do something before they got out for August, and I guess that was to make a big splash. He was promised something. Ooh, no doubt. Well, our thanks again to Jay Richards from the Heritage Foundation. Thank you for joining us. We'll do it again tomorrow at 5 o'clock. Play a little political trivia. See you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.